Hi, everyone. This is Liz Beauvais, and we have Taylor Lewis with us as well. And welcome to the Not So Rare podcast. Um, thank you for bearing with us for the past week or so. We've been having a little bit of R and R on our side. If you've been following our Instagram accounts, or our Facebook accounts, I'm sure you've been seeing some really great pictures of what we've been doing over our weekends. And we've really been trying to take time to enjoy ourselves and enjoy life. One of the things that happened today as we're recording is um the, the championship games leading up to the Super Bowl are currently in progress. The Eagles just won their game and we're lo- keeping our fingers crossed to see who wins the next one. But that really led us to our conversation for today. Um so being from Philadelphia and a lot of my pediatric care is handled at CHOP, I do follow their their Facebook account, their Instagram account. I just, I think it's really great to try to support my own local community, especially in a hospital system that I have used so much over the past few years. And they had this really, really appropriate and cute ad that they ran today. I guess all the the children's hospitals out of the four different cities that are playing in the games today got together and rather than just saying, hey, we would like some money to help support our our funds and support our programs, they made a challenge out of it. And they had this really cute little baby holding this adorable giant football. And basically they were saying that when you donate a dollar or whatever to their children's hospital, a vote goes to them. And whichever of the four cities gets the most votes is who they think is going to win the games, I guess. But in the end, the money goes to your local communities. And Taylor and I got talking today about how that was a really, really great ad campaign. Um, Taylor, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so something I would just say is um, donation is a very sensitive topic as a rare disease patient. And a lot of it, I think, comes down to when we see a lot of campaigns over TV, Internet, um, you know, email. What we notice is a lot of people give money to more well-known diseases as, you know, they're, they're more populated in terms of people that need to be supported. But what gets lost, like we've talked about before, is rare disease. And we are a community that sometimes gets forgotten when it comes to fundraising. However, there's a big issue with fundraising to the wrong population. So what I mean by that is a lot of places will fundraise directly to their patients or their patients' families, which can be um, quite problematic when, as we know as rare disease patients, we already deal with so much as it is financially that it is really great to see how um, the Philadelphia Eagles fundraise it, fundraised over their ad campaign on the commercial today and just say, seeing how... It targeted a mass audience, but it also targeted the entire hospital, which is pretty positive because we know everybody is treated there, different diseases are treated there, rare diseases treated there, and it's not just like a individual, um, you know, what comes to mind, and maybe it's just because of my family's experience with it, but like the Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Foundation, like you see a lot of these that are directly to the disease, and it's great to see something go to um, a little bit of everybody. And don't take this that we are not supportive of these 
organizations that are targeting their specific diseases, but it's hard for us as patients when we know there's not a given number of how many patients out there have our disease. And we know we don't generally fit into these different groups. Like we don't fit into any of these oncology groups. And it's hard to see that we're not able to get support through these funds, similar to some of these other patients that are just as worthy about getting access to them. And I think we definitely have seen that and talked about it a little bit on the fertility side of how just take um, a couple of the organizations out there that support cancer have fertility specific fundraising efforts and they have different grants that you could you could apply for which is amazing but it's also exclusive to other diseases as well yeah so I guess it'd be good for us to talk about a little bit of what would make for positive fundraising what is the difference there can you hear background noise (laughs) Mr. Shuey come here Come here. For those of you who are following <laughs> along at home, um, Chewy is a little sad that we're not petting him right now. And he's whining a little bit, but I think he's just passionate about fundraising as well. And that is another side note, little update for our Not So Rare podcast is that our dog squad will be increased to three come May. Um, Alex and I will be getting a Bernadoodle puppy. And so I'm just so excited that we're going to add another doodle to the doodle squad with Butters and Chewy and can't wait to share those pictures with you guys on Instagram. But going back to the fundraising part a little bit, I think that there's ways to appropriately fundraise without targeting populations that are already struggling. And I think what we are trying to do with even our t-shirts that we're raising money for lymphatic and vascular anomalies um, on the not so rare page. You know, we're not trying to benefit. We're not trying to take money from anyone. What we're trying to do is support something that we know greatly impacts the broader community. And I think, I think there's just ways that it can come across to be positive and, and help us feel involved and to make us feel like we're doing good without having to outright ask people for money. And I'm going to put on my, my MBA hat here. And I think probably the number one thing these organizations need to do, and I think that these children's hospitals did very well, is really put together their value proposition. Like what are the patients going to get from this? Like what value is being given to the community? How is this money going to be given to help promote the patients? And it's something that like we really struggled when we were trying to figure out what we're going to do for our fundraising, because up until this, till this point, Taylor and I have been funding this podcast ourselves. And we were like, well, we don't really want to ask our listeners for money because we don't think that that's right what could we do to add value, but also still be able to get some funds to keep us going, which is how we got along to the merchandise store that we started. And we know it's not a really long-term way to raise funds, but our thought was people would much rather buy something and let proceeds go to support research and go to support clinical care, as opposed to just being saying, hey, give us five or $10. So I think that the other side of the coin, other than the value proposition, is the fact that especially rare disease patients spend a significant amount of money on their healthcare. I think 
Taylor, you and I have been talking about how much we kind of keep aside for healthcare. And I think, I don't know, I was it $10,000 you, you mentioned that like you, you think you spend that probably every year on your doctor's appointments, your medication, the vitamins that aren't really covered by anything, but we know we need them because our bodies just need the extra vitamins. And it, after you've already given $10,000 for your care, it's hard to justify sometimes giving more money. And I think that that's where I struggle when I see targeting patients or tar- and even targeting patients' families is they're already tight and maybe they do want to support you and they want to support your efforts, but they're not really necessarily the ones that I think should have to be giving the money. One time I I broke it down because as a rare disease patient or anybody dealing with a chronic illness, January is a scary month for myself. I, you know, your deductible for your health care, if you're fortunate to have health care, starts back at zero. And um, like my deductible is $6,000 and I meet that not even halfway through the year. Um, that it's up and then putting into account like travel costs of gas, hotel rooms to get to my appointments. Um, it can be very, very costly. And I think where I would love to see financial efforts of fundraising go to is supporting patients, um, you know, not even necessarily myself, but like myself. There are so many families that and and young families at that that I don't know how sometimes they do it when they have a couple kids or um you know maybe they're not in the position where they can work full time so it's like those are the people that come to mind for me of the ones that could really use our support and guidance um I know for us like our fundraising is definitely going towards research because we see the value in that for our community in the future and working with um, the efforts of where our money goes. It's called Canvas. Um, I know that that money is used really well and that it is definitely something that the doctors are very fortunate for, take a lot of um, care with our donation. And I'm really looking forward to sending that first one off to them because um, I know we mentioned it before on Instagram. I'm not even sure about the podcast, but we had met our uh, quota for what we needed to keep the podcast going. And now we've been having some sales after that that are going directly to these research funds. And that makes me really excited that we got to that point. I was honestly a little shocked how well our t-shirts did at the time because I was like okay like maybe like one or two people will will buy one but it's just so cool to have you guys connect with us too for those that did buy it and it was so sweet my friend Chelsea came up this weekend and her little dog is Indie Girl she is the mini dude that was on the picture with um Chewy that we posted this past week and um, she showed up in a not so rare sweatshirt and it was just so, so cool. And, and so, um, so special that like, you're like, okay, this person that, you know, doesn't deal with a rare disease herself is like supporting us. Yeah, it was really, really awesome to see our community help support us. Um, I know you're all listening cause we do see like numbers of people download the episodes, but it was also really cool to see, well, my neighbors bought some shirts. So I know that they saw 
they saw the ad on my Facebook page and it was just really touched when whenever we see someone make a purchase. So thank you anyone who's purchased so far and we'll keep the site up, but this was not meant to be an ad. So getting back to our point, I think that, I think it's hard. I think that there's so many different rare diseases out there. And so if you think about it, hopefully each rare disease has an organization that's supporting them. Um, I get it. There's some that are ultra rare that haven't even started that yet. Or if you're someone out there that's creating the organization because there isn't one out there for you and you need the funds. And it it's hard to even think of where to go to even put together the campaign. Now, obviously, these children hospitals have wide ranges of audiences following them. They have the the teams like I know in Philadelphia between the children's hospital and the adult hospital. Just about every one of our sports teams is connected with them. So like they do have that reach and they've established that. But if you are someone that's running a smaller organization, you need to really work to build that reach. And it needs to not just include the patients and their families. It needs to help give advocacy and help give education to the broader community beyond just the patients you're wishing to support is something that I would absolutely love to do in the future too, because what I've learned from this Not So Rare podcast is that we have a lot of listeners outside our disease group, which is so cool to learn from all of you to um, be able to connect. And, and it's interesting, everyone that we have had on from a different disease group struggles the same way we do in a lot of areas of life, whether that's physically, um, but also like mental health. It's been really, really special to connect with them. And I would love in the future to um, do like a collab for our t-shirts and bring different diseases on and hopefully raise some profits for their organizations as well. Um, because I, I think the big part is, is like, I don't want to exclude anybody in this. Everyone deserves to have that, whether there are 10 people with your disease or 10 million, right? So like everybody deserves opportunities like that. Not only just the the medical care, I think everyone deserves access to the medical care, whether that's travel fees or getting some sort of virtual connection. I know a lot of when COVID started, there was a lot of televisits that started happening and I know they're still going on. I have one scheduled for later this week, but really finding ways to make sure that patients have access to either the doctors, the technology to get to the doctors, I think is also just as important. Early on in my career, I'm fortunate to like be in a in a stable place right now, but there were a lot of times that I really was stressed financially about making appointments because it's a lot. Like if I'm, when I was going to get my infusions done in Cincy, I would have the gas from, I lived up near by Chicago and to Cincy it was about four and a half, five hours with a stop. And so 10 hours of driving all together and then getting a hotel the night before, um, you know, making sure I had the day off of work sometimes with FMLA that is unpaid. Um, it can be costly to do these things. I'm, I feel like I'm very fortunate now, like I'm stable in my career, but when, when you're not, or when your health is at a place where you can't work, it's very stressful to, to be able to do what you need to do without wanting to put finances first in your mind. It's like hard to think like, okay, my health comes first, but then you have these stressors that are inevitable. 
And that's just the patients. We've talked to parents where their children have been in the hospital for months at a time. And at first they try to work remotely from the hospital, but we all know that that even if you're physically able to work from a hospital, emotionally, you're, you're not really in the place where that's helpful to your mental health or to your children's mental health. So it just kind of breaks my heart too, that there's not really a way around it because we have to work for our healthcare. And even if you do have good FMLA, does it, it doesn't really cover everything. Um, I know I've looked into it a little bit and there's a lot of interesting little like rules that my company has around it. It's not my company. It's the insurance that our company has. But if I were to take FMLA, my like work email gets shut off for those days. And then when I come back, it's a day or two to get it back on. So even, even that is, it's hard because it's not just the day that I would want to be off. It might be a day or two of not really being productive because I've taken those days off. You know, what's interesting. I was just thinking is like, when there's fundraisers for specific families or specific events or whatever it may be, I feel as the donator so much more comfortable knowing where the money is going. Like if I if I know it's going to a specific family, I'm like, cool, like happy to do it. And I think that's something that organizations could do really well is focusing on a high level of transparency. So us as the donator know exactly where our money is going. And I think there's something um, really important about that as you're, you know, making informed decisions if if you're able to donate. And um, just something I have really respect about some of the organizations I have noticed have been doing a really good job with that. And I think it's also also really important to get feedback on how the fundraisers have been going. Um, that's why we're so so happy to share with you that we've met our goal to be able to fund this for the next year. And now we're able to give back. Um, hopefully by the time this airs, we'll have been able to have made the official donation to Canvas for this quarter. Um, and we'll we'll keep everyone updated as how it goes throughout the year. But I I think it's important to people understand the success rate of fundraisers because that helps them also understand how far their dollars are going. If they're contributing with other other money, it's probably going to go further than just only a couple donors. Yeah. And I know not to make this too much about our own our own fundraising efforts or research, but I can't stress enough how thankful I am for these people that have been able to help the podcast out, help research out for us. It truly touches my heart so much because I never thought it would get there. I never thought that we could um, pull everybody together to try and work towards a an issue and a cause that is so important to Liz and I in this disease. It shows us that we're not so rare and I, I can't thank everybody enough for that. So from like the bottom of my heart, thank you. You absolutely do not have to donate to us by any means, but it's just, um, you know, even receiving you got your guys's comments in our messaging on Instagram, every time we can connect with somebody, it just like goes to show like how, important community is and coming together. So I want to thank all of you for listening today. We appreciate each and every one of you. And this has been the Not So Rare podcast.